Welcome to Hubbub, the people's podcast, where we engage our citizens and investors with the activities of the Planning and Code Administration and encourage everyone to contribute to Hagerstown's growth. All right, well, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again for our our Hubba podcast today. This is the June edition. How you doing, Donnie? I'm good. It's always good to be here with you uh, during another Hubbub podcast. Uh, we're on episode 12. A year. A year. I believe. That's wild. Yeah. But always good to be here. How are you, Sean Brown? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day. Nice. Life is good. Yeah. How's your hot coffee on this 90, 90 degree day? Uh, it's good. It's good. It's <laughs> All right. It's good. Now, I felt like I should have had iced coffee, but well, anyway, you know. no problem. Well, a very interesting topic today for us. Uh, we're talking about vacant structures today. Um, it's something that you see everywhere, um, and it's a problem more communities than others, right? Yeah, I would say so. You know, it's usually looked down upon, but uh, we want to give some insight to those structures and why they exist, you know, what uh, jurisdictions do about it. Yeah, yeah. Just curious, uh, before you knew what you know now about vacant structures and kind of the backstories on them, when you saw a vacant house or rundown, what did you think? Um, mainly just thought, you know, somebody doesn't take care of their property or, you know, oh, there's that house, you know, that every, everybody knows about. You know, it's been like that for decades, you know, and it just became normal, but it wasn't, you know, a fun thing to look at every day. Yeah. Yeah, I have to admit, uh, when I looked at an old structure, I get a little nostalgic. Okay. I'll, I'll look at it and think, at one time that was somebody's brand new home. Mm -hmm. They were moving into it, you know. Sometimes we'll get an opportunity to go inside them. Yeah. You know, and you're thinking, this bedroom, at one time, this was probably somebody's pride and joy, you know. Exactly. Some of these older homes here in Hagerstown, um, I mean, there's so much history to go along with them. And it's amazing to see what they once were. And it's a shame to see some of them be run down like they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nonetheless, uh, they are uh, a problem in a lot of cities and localities. Hagerstown is no different. So really the focus of our podcast today is to uh, talk kind of in general of what can be done about them. We're going to talk a little bit about what Hagerstown is doing and maybe dispel some myths or misconceptions because... Sometimes people, when they're looking at a structure, maybe like we used to do, why isn't anything being done? Right. It's been that way forever. And that's probably true. Mm -hmm. It's been that way for a long time. So we're going to talk about some different things that can be done uh, that to, to address those problems. Uh, there's a great resource. And in fact, um, if you're interested and you feel like kind of delving into kind of the dynamics of vacant structures, there's a website, the Center on Community Progress. Pretty nice website. A lot of great information about vacant structures. And at the very least, if you look at it, it'll kind of help you to understand the dynamics behind them and why maybe it's so difficult to or, or challenged to, to, to handle those things. So our department's been lucky enough to attend one of these national conferences to learn about vacant structures and how we can better address them. And so we're going to talk about, again, what our jurisdiction has done to try to address these vacant structures. Um, because let's face it, obviously, it's, it's part of every community. Um, we see a lot in, in urban communities, but rural communities are not exempt. Um, rural communities may not have a bigger problem, but they may have more of a problem in the sense that 
those vacant structures or abandoned properties, they stay that way for longer because they just don't have the tools to deal with them. Right, yeah, vacant structures are everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter, like you said, urban or rural, they are there. Yeah, yeah. And we have to acknowledge that they don't do much in a positive way for a community. Right. Right. Um, they, they don't look good in the neighborhood. People don't like living next to them. They take down the value. We'll talk a little bit about that later on uh, when it comes to the value of people's property. And in fact, it's not that necessarily localities don't want to address them. In fact, most cities, the incentive is to take care of them because if the city has to continue to maintain them and look after them with enforcement and so forth, that's tax dollars that could be best used elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's in our best interest to, to solve the problem as well. And uh, granted, there are a lot of vacant properties that are well maintained that are not our problem, but at the same time, it's still good to have those being used and maintained by uh, residents. So, uh, you know, nationwide, there, there are an untold number of properties that can stay empty for, for many years. They're abandoned by their owners. There's all kinds of scenarios that we face uh, in trying to find out, hey, what's the story on this property so we can do something. Uh, you know, one of the worst case scenarios is if you have someone, and this is what happens in Hagerstown uh, to a certain degree, you have a person that lives there and they pass away, but there's no heirs to the property. Now it's kind of an illegal limbo and the city has kind of got their hands tied. Right, and you know, unfortunately, it uh, sometimes after it's like that for years, you know, the weather gets to it, people break in, it, you know, it becomes unsafe, and you know, it leads to uh, demolition sometimes, and yeah. we don't want to see that ever, but you know, that does happen sometimes, so. Absolutely. And, you know, some, some things that we don't really, uh, know about you know what affects uh vacant properties you know how do they even become vacant to begin with well downturns in the economy uh greatly affect vacancies um you know they skyrocketed during the great recession um, unoccupied dwellings rose from 9.5 million to 12 million nationally between 2005 to 2010. Um, the number of vacant properties in the united states have been steadily rising for more than a decade and the total number of vacant units um, in the United States is 25% higher today than it was in 2005. So that is a significant increase. It is. And uh, units that have been abandoned is up 56% since 2005. Um, vacancy and abandonment are not only urban uh, problems, like you mentioned er er uh, earlier, uh, the rural areas are affected. Small towns have a vacancy rate nearly double that of a metro area. And the scale and tra trajectory of vacancy vary widely from city to city. So not every city is the same by far. And uh, concentrated vacancy can be referred to as hyper vacancy. Um, I've never heard of that before. Um, so we looked into it a little bit and hyper vacancy is a condition in which vacant properties, either buildings or lots, are so extensive and so concentrated that they define the character of the surrounding area. So, you know, this, you know, the amount of vacancy in an area actually defines the whole area as a whole. And that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah, it is. I've never heard that term either before, but you know, it makes sense if you're trying to kind of cap, you know, encapsulate an area, you know, it's more of a serious problem. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is, is that it's not that uh, sometimes people have the idea that um, that it just takes so long or nothing wants to be done. But 
really, you think about our local city f officials, um, community leaders, they really want to address these things because their goal is to continue to revitalize their area. Hagerstown uh -huh. is no different. They're really moving forward with revitalizing the area and growing that. Well, if you've got a lot of vacant properties, and especially if they're being run down or not taken care of, then that harms that growth. So not only does it harm the character of the neighborhood, but it inhibits growth. The city can't grow like it should. So, you know, as we mentioned in the outset, there are tools to be able to deal with these things. And, you know, just like there's not every situation's the same, not every tool or solution is the same. So what we have to do is we have to basically find out what the best strategy is or what the best program is to address the city's challenges when it comes to vacant and abandoned properties. So there are a number of pro uh, strategies that can be put in place. And, and these might be good points to consider uh, with other localities who may be looking into this. Uh, for example, really, before you can take any action, you really have to know your area. What do you have? In other words, how many vacant properties do you have in your area? What is their status? What is the condition? You know, prioritize. So basically, you want to get a snapshot uh, of all your vacant properties in the area. So now you've done all that, now the next step you want to do is you want to, of course, address the problem. But what can happen is that you can have, you know, laws or uh, different ordinances that keep you from doing that. Mm -hmm. And so you have to work on that. And that can take time uh, where you're trying to work through legis legislation to remove these legal impediments so that you can move forward with implementing some of these programs and reuse these vacant properties. Uh, there are other property tools, uh, such as land banks and receiverships. And without going into a lot of detail, these are programs that can be set up. They're uh, basically a legal entity or department where that, that uh, organization's sole role is to basically compile all that information and work through those processes of revising these vacant properties. And that's something that a locality can do. And it's a good idea because uh, you may, like our department, you may task or uh, have a department that uh, handles your property maintenance code and they get bogged down with that mm -hmm. and it spreads them out whereas if you can develop something like a land bank or a receivership then that's their focus and that's all they focus on mm -hmm. and it allows your other departments to you know continue to do what they need to do and of course demolition that's part of the strategy for revival as well uh, some people will think well why don't you just tear it down well that may be the best solution, but even if you want to demolish a structure, there is a legal process, and that takes time as well. It's just not showing up with uh, heavy equipment and tearing it down. Right. Uh, the city could be held uh, very much liable in that respect. So it's very, very important that cities proceed very carefully and legally when it comes to demolishing structure. And then there's other long-term plans as well with the reuses of land, um, green solutions, um, there are incentives out there to do that. So there's a lot of programs that are really helpful in helping to deal with vacant properties, um, to reuse, to revitalize, and that's what people want to do. That's what Hagerstown wants to do. And so we recognize they're a problem, but at the same time, what we also have to recognize, and, and we can't overlook, is that you kind of alluded to the, the recession earlier. Mm -hmm. So you see a problem like vacant structures and vacant houses, 
But the reason that's happening is because there's a problem. Right. And so uh, things like poverty, uh, economic decline, market failure. So there's things that cause those things. Um, you do as much as you can, but sometimes it's just the market or the, the conditions economically that cause those things. So we have to take that into consideration as well. But at the same time, we also recognize that vacant properties, uh, they can be community assets. So with the right plan and sometimes perhaps changes in zoning, what you could do is you could take as an example a commercial building or an industrial warehouse. Um, some localities have been successful in changing the zoning and uh, now they can take that structure and they can repurpose it for residential uses. And it adds tremendously to the uh, beauty of the community around it. And so markets can create these demands and they can also limit them if the market is too weak in an area. So some other things to consider, maybe uh, you hadn't considered that before uh, for those who are watching it, but this helps us to appreciate so far that there are a lot of dynamics when it comes to vacant structures. That is some really good information. And you know, to go along with that, there are so many types of vacant properties um, and the Census Bureau actually uh, you know, titled these types of vacant properties. Um, there's vacant for rent, there's rented but not yet occupied, there's vacant for sale, sold but not yet occupied, maintained for seasonal, recreational, and occasional use, maintained for migrant workers, and other vacants. It's the other vacants that are the most common and present the biggest problem, um, but the greatest opportunity. You know, there usually isn't any fuss over vacant properties that are taken care of and maintained. Those ones, you know, they, they last for years and there's no issue with them. It's those uh, vacant properties that are a catch-all that includes, but not limited to, properties that are neglected and abandoned. Um, with the exception of other vacant properties, all of the other types of vacants mentioned serve a necessary function in the housing market. Uh, vacant housing is important for family, families and individuals involved and is also a critical element in enabling the national economy to function. So in principle, the right number of vacant units is the number that allows every home buyer or would-be tenant to find a unit without undue difficulty and every home seller or landlord to fill the unit they own without undue delay. You know, the longer a house or multifamily building sits vacant, uh, the greater the risk uh, that it will deteriorate and potentially be vandalized. So as we mentioned earlier, if it's just sitting there, it's uh, just, I mean, it's open to, you know, weathering and crime, and that's what we don't want. You know, that's not good for anybody or the house itself. Yeah, and I think our department uh, does as best as we can because we do have a large supply of vacant homes in, in reaching out to the owners and trying to encourage them to be proactive, taking care of those properties because that's, that's important. But, you know, the reality is, is that when it comes to the vacant structures, um, it's kind of like a supply and demand situation. Um, just as an example, what happened when we recently uh, heard of the idea that meat production was going to go down. Uh, what happened? Prices went up, right? Yes. Yes, they did. Because they saw within the market that the demand was going to be more than what the supply was. So that's what caused prices to go up. Well, it, it's kind of similar in principle with vacant structures. Um, if you've got an area that with too few vacant units relative to the demand, 
then prices can unreasonably rise because of the shortage of supply. And then the opposite is true. If there are too many or an oversupply of vacants, this can push prices and rents down to the point where homeowners find themselves underwater. Uh, landlords may not make enough money to cover the costs. So that's an interesting dynamic as well uh, with that. But, uh, you know, it's difficult to identify the appropriate vacancy rate for a housing market um, because to the point that we were just making with supply and demand, uh, that tells us that we want to have a certain amount of vacancies because that helps kind of mediate prices. Mm -hmm. uh, it helps allow for growth and not make things so high that people can't afford them. So you want to have a certain amount of vacancy. Well, how much should a community have? Well, that's to that point. We, we really don't, it's kind of hard, hard. So you can kind of go by averages. So for example, nationally, vacancy rates in rental properties have stayed around seven to 8% over the last few years. And in communities where about half of the properties are owner occupied and half are renters and a market is doing well, then vacancy rent uh, rates tend to fall between four to 6%. And then you have communities where there are high rentals, uh, higher rentals than owner occupied. Uh, the market may be a little volatile and maybe there's a lot of new construction uh, like here in Hagerstown, well then the vacancy rates tend to be higher. And then uh, not to leave out that when vacancy rates approach 20% or more, then we venture into what you were talking about earlier, this hyper vacancy. And that's when a property becomes vacant and it's most likely to remain, remain vacant for a long period of time. So just a lot of balances and, and, and a lot of moving parts to this that it's just sometimes hard to tell where you should be with your vacant structures. Right. You put it in a good way, though, uh, with the supply and demand. I never thought about it that way, but that's a very good point. So, And when discussing vacant properties, we tend to focus just on residential properties a lot of the times, but commercial and industrial properties fall into that category as well. Uh, commercial buildings typically um, include retail stores, um, wholesale stores, office spaces, medical offices, etc., um, as with residential properties, some vacancies in commercial properties, it, it's healthy, but long-term vacancies is where it becomes problematic. In the past 70 years, changing retail trends led to the construction of suburban uh, strip shopping centers, then to enclosed malls, then to big box stores, then to so-called lifestyle shopping centers, and so forth, and with each leaving behind empty commercial spaces. So how many times have you heard in the community, uh, oh, it's by the old uh, blank space, you know, by the old so-and-so uh, bank, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that's That happens all the time, you know, and that's how we, we just refer to things that have been sitting vacant for all that time. You know, right now, uh, you know, look at a lot of the shopping areas. It kind of looks like that, you know, everything's shut down right now, but we're slowly getting back uh, to open things up so that these should not be long-term vacancies. Um, hopefully it's just a short-term thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems that sometimes there's a big curve because, you know, unfortunately not everything on a, on a timely manner happens at the same time. Right. You know, you don't see a transition and growth and then it seems like a lot of things don't catch up at the same time. It's kind of a lag. So it, it certainly makes a challenge to your point. So, you know, we've talked about uh, vacant properties quite a bit, you know, the dynamics and, and the things that we have to take into consideration and the tools. Uh, 
the fact is, is that people, you know, when it comes down to it, if they live in a neighborhood and uh, there are vacant properties and they're run down, you know, what effects can this have? Well, they can have a, a detrimental effect, admittedly. Um, they can significantly reduce the value of occupied properties close to them. In fact, uh, studies in some communities have found that vacant buildings on a block can reduce the value of nearby properties by 20% wow. or more. I didn't think it was that much. I would never have guessed that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's definitely a direct correlation with increased vacancy rates and a decrease in median sale median sale prices in communities. And it kind of goes without saying that when we think about vacant properties, uh, especially when there's a lot of them in an area, uh, oftentimes what's associated with them is crime and violence. So yeah, multiple studies have found that crime rates on blocks with abandoned properties were twice as high than those without any abandoned properties. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. You know, the effects of the vacant and abandoned properties, they just feed a vicious cycle of neighborhood decline, loss of confidence, and neighborhood uh, disintegration. Um, the impact of vacant structures on the social and economic conditions are devastating for towns, cities, and um, counties. And they often pay little in property taxes and generate little revenue for the city or county when sold at tax sales. You know, for governments to provide services to its residents, it needs property owners to pay their taxes. When they do not pay, the city uh, needs investors willing to step up, buy liens on the properties, and pay the city taxes owed. And although uh, vacant properties in the United States continue to present serious, and in many cases, growing challenges, numerous encouraging trends and promising interventions are also emerging. I know we've seen it here in Hagerstown. Uh, there are those investors that are coming into the um, city um, buying these properties and doing great things with them. And that's, that's really what we need for some of these vacant properties in Hagerstown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's due in part to what uh, we as a city have done to try to kind of facilitate. Right. Not that it's easy, but uh, make the process to where developers want to, to purchase properties. So that goes to what we were talking about again earlier as well, is that Hagerstown has really done some nice things as far as strategy to address vacant properties. Uh, for example, to help with our knowing our community, our jurisdiction has a vacant structure licensing program. And basically this is a program that helps us to keep track of all of our vacant properties. And so we use software programs to help us with this. For example, uh, we use a Tyler Technologies product called Munis. And that is our system where we can basically track every property, which would include vacant structures. And then we also uh, recently took on a program called Ptolemy's Building Blocks. I hope I was pronouncing that correct. You did that perfect. Yeah, it's fairly new. So Munis keeps track of the properties, Ptolemy's Building Blocks, that helps us to determine which properties are vacant. So that's a really cool program because it's got some nice, basically, algorithms in there to help us because let's face it you can drive by sometimes a property and it's so clean and well kept you're going is it vacant or not mm -hmm. you can't tell well there's some nice algorithms and things where it allows us to work more efficiently and quicker to identify these vacant properties and which ones are still vacant so some nice things were really moving forward to deal with these vacant structures. Now, earlier we also talked about things that can be obstacles, uh, legislation and laws. So we're working on that 
as well. So, uh, for example, in Maryland, there was a law in place in, in the uh, city of Baltimore to effectively address their vacant structure issues. And uh, it was something very useful to Baltimore. It was helping them a lot, but the way the state law was written, only they could use it. So a couple of years ago, uh, the state created a new law where local jurisdictions could adopt an ordinance to address part of this hurdle. And so what this law did is it allowed uh, ones in the state, even though it's not quite as good as the one for Baltimore City, it allowed us to do similar things. And so that was a great start for us to be able to move forward with this new law to address some of the chronic nuisance vacant properties. And that's just happened within the past year. Yeah, things are uh, you know currently being worked on to address these vacant properties. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, you know we've included demolition as part of a strategy for revival. Uh, the Hairstown Council uh, started a couple of fiscal years ago, creating a fund for our department to utilize uh, to remove the blight from the neighborhoods. You know, although there are steps that we have to take this process, you know, to get through the courts, like you mentioned earlier, there's some legal hurdles that we have to go through. Uh, we have been able to demolish some of these properties that were in um, danger to the community. And we've fostered an environment for vacant properties to become reused. Uh, the city of Hagerstown created incentive programs under the Invest Hagerstown tagline. These programs have been in place for several years and have evolved over time. We offer programs to property owners and developers to renovate uh, vacant structures, uh, commercial and residential and we created tools uh, for developers to entice businesses to their structure. You know, these programs have been very successful in our community and are continuously in high demand. Um, our community and economic development department administer these programs with their staff and two staff members from our planning and code administration department, along with the director of finance. So, you know, there are a couple different departments that are involved uh, with these programs and it has seemed to be working very well for us. Yeah. All right. Yep. Absolutely. So, we're going to jump into our weird news story here. Um, the tag or the headline of this one—it's pretty big. The tiger rescue at vacant Houston home became uh, began with an anonymous tip. So this house was supposedly vacant, but uh, quickly found out there was a uh, a pet tiger in the um, the house. So uh, there was an anonymous call, and when officers arrived to the scene, they found a, uh, a tiger in the vacant home. So it wasn't so vacant as they uh, thought. Um, you know, they, they uh, end up getting the tiger to a safe place and taken care of. But can you imagine those officers when they arrive there, and, or even the dispatcher, like taking that phone call, like how do you even get a pet tiger? Like how do you get a tiger in a, in a built, you know, house like that? So... I thought that was very interesting to hear. Um, I don't know what I would do. You know, we we deal with vacant buildings all the time. I can't imagine walking in and uh, seeing some type of wild animal like yeah. that in there. That's mm. it's very interesting. If you want to read a little bit more about it, uh, we will put the link to that article in the description of the podcast. So as we uh, come towards the end here, I do want to remind you all to uh, uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn at PCAD. Hagerstown. That's P-C-A-D, Hagerstown. We've been uh, posting a lot of stuff on there. We've been doing some uh, um, reminders and like uh, tips for taking care of your lawn, you know, which is uh, very important and very timely, you know, for during going into the summer months. 
And uh, also rate and subscribe to our podcast. You know, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, if you have not seen our video on YouTube, you can uh, search for us on YouTube. By, again, searching PCAD uh, Hagerstown, and you will find me and Sean smiling faces there, uh, staring right back at you. So awesome. Yeah. So, uh, and I think next month's is on fences. It is. Yeah. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that one. Yeah, that's a interesting topic uh, to look forward to because a lot of questions about fences sometimes. There are. Yeah, a lot of uh, misinformation out there. Yeah. But it'll be a good one. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, again, um, being our 12th episode, we've been at this one year, and uh, we look forward to another year, and we thank everybody who's subscribed and, and follows us. Um, we hope that we've been very informational um, in, in helping people in the community. Yeah, and also something I want to throw out there, if you have any ideas for a future podcast or just questions for us, uh -huh. um, you can um, email us. We, um, you can do it at uh, pcad at uh, hagerstownmd.org, and we'll be able to answer those questions for you. Absolutely. Good point. Thank you, Donnie. So our music guest that will take out our show today, uh, I really like this band. I like this kind of genre of music, of blues. And so this is the Skyla Burrell Blues Band out of Chambersburg. Um, Skyla Burrell was formed by, uh, or, by, or co-founded by Skyla Burrell and Mark Tomlinson in about 2002. Uh, both uh, have a long music career and uh, really, really talented people. So they, they play a lot of their own original music, some outstanding industry reviews. I can't recount all of them, but some well-known magazines and and uh, entities that are no music and they've had a lot of good things to say about this group but man i tell you what a very soulful sound uh, i was thinking about i was trying to associate people with you know people we know so i would say skyla burrell sounds like if you took bonnie Raitt and took it up a notch and threw into blues that's skyla burrell i like it yeah she's got a really nice voice and they play a, a lot of venues up and down the East Coast in our area. So check them out. Of course, they're all over social media, Facebook, YouTube. You can catch their music on Spotify. So a great group. And of course, with the COVID, they're not playing right now. But uh, look for them because they play at all kinds of venues and, and events. And so, yeah, check them out if you can. So uh, we'll conclude our episode with listening to Skyla Burrell. <laughs>